0: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, The Boston Strangler, Secret Hiding Place, and Wrong Place, Wrong Time. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Uh, Crystal... You had something uh, that you wanted to talk about or, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you you were out at a brunch. I went out. yeah, Or a breakfast or a lunch or something. Oh, it was a lunch. A yeah, lunch. Yeah, it was okay. definitely
0: a lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I left the house to go somewhere <laughs> besides work or the grocery store for once.
1: Oh, that sounds like a nightmare to me, but uh, it's, it's each their <laughs> own to each their own.
0: Yeah, well... I will say this it's it it's the first kind of nice day that LA has had in a couple of weeks and because uh, we've just been having like really torrential rainstorms like Boston mm-hmm. California and mm-hmm. uh, so or it's been overcast so it's still it's like freezing cold at night but it's really nice during the day today so I think you know it's the first Saturday the new year where it's been nice and I think there was just a lot of people out
1: today yeah.
0: there was a lot of traffic there's a lot of just people just want I mean I was going nuts that's why we had to go outside so it's like Dave come on we gotta I need to leave we need to go outside this is, I can't stay in the house anymore so we went to lunch at this burger spot it's new to us um, now and then the people
1: at home
0: <laughs> yeah are you afraid they don't know what a burger is
1: <laughs> for all those Gen Z people who are no um <laughs>
0: millennial millennial corner
1: cheeseburger edition (laughs) yes uh actually because well because i know the people at home they're going to want to hear about the the very excite or mildly exciting sighting you had of of something yeah but whereas but Mm -hmm. i don't know i kind of just want to hear about the meal
0: (laughs) okay well i can i can cover both things yeah um So, well, and it's, and also this is really relevant because it's cheeseburger week in Pasadena. Okay. uh, And Pasadena is the city which at least claims to have invented the cheeseburger. So, um, and I,
1: anything's possible. I
0: I think we just had like a little tiny earthquake. Oh, really? Yeah. Like my desk shook a little bit and the dog got up and seems upset. Yeah, he's over here now. Oh, sorry. Wow. I mean, when I say it was a little tiny earthquake, like I'm sure that's by
1: L.A. Moved. standards. So
0: it was like nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a little shake. OK, well, let's move on.
1: You know, I'm always <laughs>
0: from that.
1: I'm always relieved when I find out an earthquakes happened because it means that when my bed was shaking during the night, it wasn't a ghost.
0: Yeah. Or you weren't like having a seizure. That's always my thing.
1: Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Is the bed
0: shaking or am I shaking? <laughs> Who's shaking?
1: Yeah.
0: Um little tiny earthquake just happened. So I was out today. Mm-hmm. Um very relevant. I did not go to Pasadena for a cheeseburger, but I did go to Studio City, which is a nearby neighborhood. Okay. Where do I live? And so the cheeseburger itself was a quote unquote wagyu burger. So this place was, I want to say, like kind of an upscale, fast casual, uh mini-chain in LA, but I will not to maintain the privacy of the minor celebrity that I saw.
1: Okay. You, I will not
0: name the exact place. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, we were, it's kind of like a little dubious about this cheeseburger place because like, it seemed like the kitchen was kind of having a fucking meltdown. And I'm like, it's not that hard guys. This place really serves cheeseburgers and fries. Oh. And that's about it. Like, what is happening back there but um we actually ended up getting like two orders of fries instead of the one we or just the one we ordered because we were waiting a while and you know the people were super nice and the cheeseburger was really good so it was like a it was kind of like a smash burger style but it was like the right i want to say the right thickness so it wasn't just smashed all the way down it wasn't like paper thin burger but it was like a smash burger. Um, and it was basically constructed like an in and out double-double. So it's two patties, mm-hmm. two cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had mine with ketchup because that's the way the classic came. It was on a really nicely toasted but very soft, uh, I want to say like pit- potato bun. It, was, it wasn't sesame seed and it wasn't brioche or anything like that. It was just like a nice potato bun. Okay, um, And it was a little greasy but super flavorful. And the fries were like really potato tasting in a good yeah. way. So I would say this was like last week, Dave and I went and tried five guys, which is a more national chain. I would say that this place, um, I preferred more, um, Mm -hmm. at about the same price point. So Mm. I'll just, it was good. Um, and Robbie, I'll, I'll text you the, the name of the restaurant (laughs) when we're done. (laughs) Thank Um, but also they're not paying us. So why would I advertise for them? So I'm sitting there and as I'm like halfway through my burger, this guy walks in and immediately I'm like, damn, this dude looks familiar. This dude looks really familiar. (sighs) And then I'm like, and then I'm starting to piece it. I'm like, you know who I think he looks like. And then he went over and talked to this table of people who were waiting for their food and said he had found a table outside if they wanted to come because we were sitting inside. They wanted to come outside um, because people in L.A., like like I said, it's the first nice day in a while, Like they need to eat outside. And that's the thing you need to understand about Californians is we demand to be able to eat comfortably outside all year.
1: Oh.
0: So if you um. need to put a space heater or you need to put some shade and a mister out there, we need to be eating outside all year. It is just the thing about us.
1: Okay, okay, shade, <laughs> sh- sh- shade was, is fine. I just hate the sun. Yeah,
0: yeah shade, but like... We need to be able to do it comfortably. You, you know, the mm-hmm. actual weather be damned. Okay. We don't care. We need to be eating outside. I was eating inside because like outside was a little too busy and I don't care that much. But yeah. So this guy walks in and I'm like, damn, he really looks familiar. And except old. Okay. <laughs> then he would have been in my mind. And then he goes over and tells this table that he'd found he'd found another table outside if they wanted to join him out there. And he had a British accent and I was like, that's it. Julian Sands, you
1: found Julian Sands, thank God.
0: (laughs) It's not Julian Sands. And when I say the person's name, I don't even think, I don't think you're going to know who it is. Yeah. But there, I'm certain, I'm certain given our demographic of people who listen to this podcast, there are a lot of people going to know who it is. Because I, and then I had to get online because I'm like, oh, this guy had a certain neck tattoo. Maybe it isn't him. Maybe it just really looks and Dave was like not helping. Dave did not care <laughs> at all. Well, he didn't even like look at the guy, like did not care about this at all. And I'm like freaking out because I had a I got on Google and I was like, okay, what does this guy look like in 2023? And I'm like, oh yeah, he really looks like this guy. And then I like I had the guy who had walked into the burger place had some really distinctive tattoos on his neck and on his arm. Like I immediately it was just really distinctive. Okay. And then I was like, okay, let me look up this guy's tattoos. And then there was like a picture of him shirtless at the beach. And I'm like, yep, that was him. No question. So oh, are we ready who, I'm ready so for excited who I saw today? You. I saw Gavin Rossdale, the lead singer of Bush, 1990s mm-hmm. alternative band.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also ex-husband of Gwen Stefani
1: Uh uh-huh okay yes yes i've
0: and you are faking enthusiasm better than dave was doing so congratulations (laughs) that That was a lot of wind up for not a very big payoff i'm sorry
1: i'm sure well i mean i know of i've heard the name of the band bush and Mm -hmm. i know of this uh, of gwen stefani she's a famous musician person yeah so yes. I mean this this obviously was this was a famous person. So I'm really happy you, you saw you, yeah. you saw this famous person who, uh, you know, I conceivably could have seen a picture of on the internet at some point, but mm-hmm. I I mm-hmm. would not be able to, to tell you. Um,
0: well, I mean, I think it was only I only recognized them so immediately because I think you know I don't want to like hurt feelings here but you know the band bush hasn't really been relevant for quite quite some time and
1: um i haven't heard their name in a long long time yes right
0: i well i actually had a bush patch on my backpack in middle school so Mm. this was like kind of a big moment for 12 year old crystal (laughs) (laughs) um Uh. but yeah they uh yeah they had their moment and you know it was interesting i was like freaking out about this and Oh, I wasn't saying I was freaking out, but I was like, no way. Because it's been literally years since I've had any kind of celebrity. At least one I wasn't expecting, where I wasn't like at an event. Yeah. You know, just in the wild, celeb sighting. It's been a really long time. Years. Yeah. And I live in L.A., but I like don't get out much. And we actually left the house today, and that happened. And we also saw a guy... uh, doing uh what how do you say it um hitting golf balls out of the median of the street into the street he was just golfing he okay was just street
1: golfing that's so that's all. which was
0: which was almost as as exciting as <laughs> the gavin ross style i uh,
1: i w- i would have been excited to see that i was like oh what's that guy doing wow mm-hmm. yeah
0: i mean he wasn't hitting it into oncoming traffic there were there weren't any cars coming. He was just using the median of a boulevard as um his green.
1: Hmm. Hmm. So <laughs> I see. I see. So, very very So it's just
0: like sometimes when you leave the house, things you see things that can bring you joy and excitement. Sometimes.
1: Um yeah, yeah, I won't I'm not going to argue against that even if I don't Mm-hmm. choose not to live that philosophy ever but uh go. I mostly don't yeah
0: I really mostly don't I'm like not uh someone who goes anywhere <laughs> I mean like I haven't left the city uh no hold on let me I haven't left the San Fernando Valley in probably about a month okay so just to, just imagine you just didn't ever leave silver Spring <sighs>
1: Oh, I mean, granted, yeah. there's,
0: like, a lot more going on where I live, but, like, the geographic area is about the same size. So.
1: Man, yeah. Ooh, yeah, you say you say you never leave Silver Springs, and, man, mm-hmm. that's... Um...
0: Oh, should I have not said where you live? <laughs> Fuck.
1: No, no, I've... I've <gasps> God met, damn it. i mentioned, no, because I've mentioned that many times on the pod. I just, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, that's such a depressing thought to have, right? Never, never leaving Silver Springs. Look. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: my entire life is like a triangle between my home, uh, North Hollywood proper, and Toluca Lake, and sometimes Burbank. I guess it's more of like a parallelogram.
1: Okay. But
0: okay. I mean, Bur- like going out to Burbank is like, whoo, we're doing something. I w- never mind like going it- over the hill into LA proper. Like, that's just. Yeah. That's just a lot for me to handle. I, That's, that means getting on the freeway.
1: Oh, God. And yeah. then what are we doing?
0: I, you know, what are we doing?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if it wasn't for. Yeah, I have to admit, if it wasn't for the fact that there's a post office like literally three blocks away from where I am. I, I would probably, uh, I, you know, it's really helped enable me to not go out and drive. To, to anywhere other than work a lot. It's it's good 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 to have option to have if you're a recluse like me. Good option to have. I I I think and I I think I just got in a
0: mode during COVID and then like I got a job really close to my house, mm-hmm. and so now I feel like I feel like I almost have like a small town existence, but I live in LA, but my world is very small now. <laughs>
1: That's that. If I lived in L.A., that's the kind of existence I would have. Um, I
0: yeah. I honestly, unless you have a commute, I think that's the existence most people have.
1: Now, wait, and like now,
0: it's very neighborhoody. It's like you don't really get out.
1: Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now I I I, I, I keep thinking about you mentioned the guy from the band Bush. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gavin Rossdale. Glenn. Ross Dale. G- Gavin. Gavin. name's Gavin. Gavin Ross D- D- Dale. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> He you said he came into the restaurant and he like he approached right. a table of people and said that there was a Who ta- were sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm assuming that means like he, these were people that he was familiar with. Like they were he Yeah, was, that he, were
0: friends or family or something. Okay. He was yeah, there. I he was know. there
1: to dine with them. It wasn't just like you walked yeah. in and he was like, Hmm, you know, there's a whole table outside. I should just approach a random, random table of people. No,
0: no, no, no. Because, because then like later we were walking, it's like a shopping plaza. Then we're walking around the plaza. I saw him again and he was with outside eating or just having finished eating mm-hmm. with the people who he had approached in the restaurant. So they gotcha. were all together. So he had been sent, I guess the people inside had been sent to order and locate a table inside while he scouted one outside. Cause the outside situation was very competitive today, like I said.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's why we're eating inside because I didn't I didn't want to do the fight. Okay. I was just like, oh, there's tables available here. Let's just sit inside. It's fine.
1: And and you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna um uh, I don't wanna take away from the, the, the weight of this this Gavin uh rossdale. Yeah. Uh, encounter but I, I, right. I I'm just a little bit curious have they found uh-huh. Julian Sands yet or is he probably a goner by this point I
0: don't know who that is I'm sorry oh
1: okay that's no that's fine that's fine he's a British actor who like uh-huh. I guess he went hiking in uh-huh. in the mountains of LA uh, yeah we have those okay yeah and he disappeared like last Friday and oh <gasps> Yeah.
0: Oh, so this is recent. That's why I don't know about this.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, shit.
0: No, it wasn't him. Mm-mm. Oh,
1: boy. Because I, I thought that'd be hilarious. They're all like out oh, searching if he was for him. Oh, Peter's just in a cheeseburger him. restaurant? <laughs> and he's just in a cheeseburger restaurant. He's just restaurant. getting a burger? Yeah. Uh,
0: well, that would be hilarious. Well, let's all, let's all pray for him. This guy, I don't know. He, but I, I hope he's found. Because, you know, it's... We have some real wilderness out here, so it's not a joke. Okay. People have been killed by uh mountain lions, mountain lions, yeah. or gotten dehydrated and lost and died. Yeah, it's not it's not a joke. Okay, we have some real wilderness. Oh, so.
1: okay. I, now, uh, real quick on Julian Sands, uh-huh. just because yeah. I mean we're we're not yet at twenty minutes, and we we want to stretch this out as much as possible before we have to talk about the uh-huh. Boston.
0: A segment I fell asleep during. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, uh, if if I had to if I had to make a wager or, or try to like uh-huh. throw a dart to like hit a movie that you've seen him in, have you seen Arachnophobia? Uh,
0: yes, but I've I've completely like, recollected out of my uh-huh. memory because
1: you don't like spiders. Reasons,
0: oh, okay. Well, he, I'm looking him up right now. Yeah. Okay.
1: He's kind of like he he's been in a lot of. Um, movies that like have kind of a vaguely kinky undertone to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, there's there's just something. Anyway, like arachnophobia was interesting because that was like the Nexus point where this guy who's been in all the like all these movies like Boxing Helena and all you know kind of weird stuff about weird sexual stuff uh, was in the same movie as John Goodman, so <laughs> it was like the that was the nexus point uh, between between those movies that Julian Sand was in and King Ralph. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I guess if you see if you see a dehydrated, well, disoriented, now I know who
0: I'm looking for. Yeah. Now I know who I'm looking for. So, yeah. That's,
1: yeah. Uh, if you see a dehydrated, disoriented British man walking around, uh, that, that might be him. Yeah. Anyway, well, I guess... I hope, they,
0: I hope they find him alive.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's lived a good life. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you heard it here first.
1: Robbie's calling it. Yeah, I mean, it's been <laughs> Stop over. Stop the search. Yeah. He had a
0: good life. Stop looking. Oh,
1: shit. Okay, well,
0: uh, uh, let's move Should we on. talk about Unsolved, <laughs> unsolved mysteries, mysteries, season six, episode it's 21 or 22? 22?
1: This is one of those episodes where it starts out not with the standard unsolved mysteries mm-hmm. intro sequence, but instead it just go, starts right out with the uh, the first segment. And we have like about five minutes of that before it skips back to Rob Robert Stack. Um You have to forgive me, I'm I'm having some like hiccups. Mm. Strange mm. smells are in my mouth now. Hmm. Oh, no. Okay.
0: That sounds unpleasant.
1: Yeah. Okay. But I'll, 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 I'll shorter through. Uh, Uh you
0: know,
1: it's, it's, uh, yeah. So I'm
0: glad because I, like I said, I fell asleep during this thing.
1: Oh, good. Good. Yeah.
0: Sorry, everybody. It just wasn't worth watching again for me personally.
1: (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it jumps right in and they're talking about this Albert, uh, was it Albert DeSalvo?
0: Guy, mm-hmm, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Albert. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about uh, cause cause I guess the conventional uh, wisdom is that he was the Boston Strangler, but the this this yeah. segment is putting forth the proposition: what if he wasn't? Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, what if? <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's it's I think <laughs> it's a classic unsolved mysteries what if segment.
0: Yeah, it's um I think this is probably the reason I dozed off is because I just lost interest so quickly. Because I just feel like the last nine or ten maybe this is an exaggeration, but the last nine or ten episodes of Unsolved Mysteries is just them throwing out some bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That they can't prove or disprove to fill time.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um I mean, like, I I will argue overall that Unsolved Mysteries, the show, has done a net positive, wouldn't you say? Yes. It has helped solve crimes. It has brought in felons. It has reconnected people who were missing or, you know, the whole lost love situation, I think, is worth, without another recourse, people couldn't have found each other this way. Yeah. However, I do not know why they choose to spend... It's been, you know, when they did, what, what was it last last episode? It was something with the oh, people see, seeing their lost, lost or their dead loved, dead ones. loved ones. And before yeah. that, it was some dead. miracle something. You know, it's just been a long yeah. string of these, like, we're spending the first 20 minutes of the episode on something we can't actually solve. Right. And there are actual mysteries they could be solving. <laughs> right like the second segment the second segment um of this episode they did and i mean i will get to it but yeah you know or even the third segment
1: yeah that's the thing the the third you know
0: it's like what are we doing here with this we're just rehashing some bullshit because someone's got a book to sell well
1: how do you feel if you're like the mom in the third segment and you're trying to search right. for your son's killer yes and you tune into this episode of unsolved mysteries and they spend like mm-hmm. 20 plus minutes uh sort of hypothesizing about whether the now deceased albert de salvo is or is not the boston strangler meanwhile right. your son is dead and the killers are still free and, and right. they give I mean, you like is... four minutes and they right, just rush exactly yeah. that's
0: that's what I'm saying. Like, Unsolved mysteries can do do a real net good here, and so I think I kind of just sort of tuned out when I realized which direction. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, we'll get we'll, you'll get to it, but it's kind of like, yeah, DeSalvo was dead by the time this episode aired. This isn't, you know, we're not and, trying to
1: catch the Boston Strangler.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's the other thing too. It's like, well, you'll talk about it, but there's no no one is even suggesting if well, if it wasn't DeSalvo, who was it? Then do you have another suspect worth chasing down? No. Okay. We're just saying, we're just saying bullshit then anyway. Okay. Please continue. I mean, I think I've pretty much recapped the segment. Uh,
1: like. So I guess Salvo, he subsequently started to pull off uh, was it a green man? He was referred to as the green man or something. Cause he was going up to apartments in the green jumpsuit and being like, Hey, I'm here to do the, you know, whatever maintenance type thing. This is where I kind of got like a little caustic towards the the author that mm-hmm. they were interviewing because she um, how did she describe it like when when the when salvo got into the apartment he would yeah, she, as she put it she put it in some way like he would proposition the woman, and if she right. she refused, he would leave. Or but well, sure. quite often they they consented or whatever, and then they mm-hmm. they and like I mean, I, I, it wasn't even proposition. It was a much even a much softer term than that. And then mm-hmm. when um, and then he's like, and she used she used the expression, "make love," and I just wanted mm-hmm. to like punch this. W- author right in her face yeah
0: i hear counterpoint okay Primetime television in the 90s okay she probably she probably couldn't really say what she wanted to say
1: so. all right all right
0: Do you, you, you dig
1: okay f- fair enough But I that means there's a producer that I want to punch in the face. I got that's fine, yeah, (laughs)
0: that's fine, I think. But I think she her choice of words is she was kind of primed for this is primetime television and you can't say certain things or at least try and soften it up a little bit, something like that, you know. Okay, yeah, I don't think that's her glossing anything over i think that's more her being measured but yes i agree punch the producer in the throat whatever
1: yeah so anyway he ended up going to um to prison
0: not the producer <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. The, pri- <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 salvo ended up going to prison mm.
0: uh
1: and in this you know for the, these horrible crimes uh, and this is where we have a a walk-on cameo from <laughs> F. Lee Bailey of the O.J. defense team.
0: Oh, boy. Now, as soon as he came on screen, mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's a name I recognize. And I couldn't remember from where, but I felt like it was the O.J. trial. Yeah. Um, and then so I was like. I asked my phone, you know, who's Effley Bailey, and I guess he had also um, defended this heart surgeon guy his last name Shepard, okay, who was accused of killing his wife. So I mean, like Effley Bailey is a notorious defender of pieces of shit. So
1: oh yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, okay, so he's and he's basically the one putting forth the idea that DeSalvo was not the Boston Strangler. hmm He's basically, that's, he's the one, I, you know, there's, DeSalvo's uh, former psychotherapist is also interviewed for this.
1: Well, well, um, well, I yeah, what, I, it's. I, and
0: I don't know what that guy was trying to argue. Yeah, well,
1: Bailey, ba- Bailey's another. an interest. I think, like, the thing is, is, like, he eventually, He's kind of a... It's difficult for me to know precisely what he actually thinks, which I guess is a trait Mm -hmm. you want in a lawyer. Um, But because, like, he he discusses how this guy named George Nasser, who's his actual client, was like, hey, blah, 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 there's this guy who wants to, like, confess to being the Boston Strangler, but he wants to do it in such a way that he can get a book deal. Um, And... So, F. Lee Bailey recounts like meeting DeSalvo and like sort of at first being skeptical because he's like, you know, the Bo- I was Boston Strangler. I was expecting some sort of like, you know, raving, like, you know, mm. crazy guy. And, you know, this, this just seemed like a normal guy. Um, which, I mean, I guess if you're F. Lee Bailey, you probably encounter so many pieces of shit that. <laughs> It becomes yeah. difficult to 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 discern what a normal human being is is like, um, and but yeah, like so he gets, um, you know the uh, you know the, the Salvo sort of is like re- relates this like, hey, look, uh, here's all the details of the Boston Strangler murders that I committed, and Bailey takes it down mm-hmm. on tape, and he he takes it to the 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 police, um. And they have a little reenactment of them listening to it and being like, "Oh, this could be the guy. This could actually be mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, because he seems to know these locations, and stuff." And this is, yeah, we're that psycho psychiatrist or whoever, uh, uh, Doctor Ruby, Ruby. Rob. Yeah, 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 Roby, Roby, like Roby. Yeah, yeah. Roby was like. You know, I just wasn't convinced because I talked with DeSalvo mm-hmm. all these times, and da da, and I don't think he's he's the Boston Strangler, because he you know, relates how like I guess DeSalvo actually went to the Boston Strangler locations uh, after mm-hmm. the investigations were over, and like would go into them to to see what they were like and to kind of get a feel for them. And it, I mean, if, if DeSalvo's not the Boston Strangler, it seems like he's at, at the very least has the makings of becoming a, another serial killer himself.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he knew. So I'm, here's where I got really confused. Yeah. In this segment, who is arguing that DeSalvo is not the Boston Strangler? Is it the psychotherapist or is it F. Lee Bailey? Or this- is it this author?
1: this uh i think it's the psych the the psychotherapist seems to be the most strongly uh on the f lee bailey uh, the most strongly on the Desavo didn't uh is not the boston strangler person mm-hmm. um they had they interview like a few detect uh, detectives or whatever who's like oh no i mean we. I thought he was for sure. But but admittedly the department was like 5149 on what, whether it was him. And mm-hmm. then uh, Bailey, you know, uh I think I think he's mostly just there to be on television. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he facilitated the the tape recordings, but I don't I don't feel like it's entirely clear what he uh whether he thinks Sasab was actually the guy or not. Uh they you know, they have some other things where like apparently they brought in some like uh were they victim? No, they they could have been victims of the some women who had experienced an attack uh, maybe a Boston Strangler attack but survived. I can't recall what the but they brought them into the prison to sort of look at a room full of prisoners and they were mm-hmm. like Oh well, it no. I I the only person I see the person, and they point like point to like George Nasser, the guy who facilitated the meeting between DeSalvo and Bailey. So yeah. So then this this the show sort of th- the closest the show throws to a like alternative uh, hypothesis to if it's not DeSalvo, who is like they kind of touch on this like well, some people kind of thought maybe it might be this Nasser guy. And then of course
0: Yeah, but Nasser's interviewed mm-hmm. in the segment. He is. Yeah.
1: He is and he like he's like I swear, I swear on my mo- on my mother's soul who I you know, like she yeah. she taught me good. She taught me to respect women. I I you know, like and I always I I always did what my mom told me. I I you know, God bless her.
0: I mean, I kind of feel like regardless of what he had to say, he probably wouldn't have appeared on the show unless he was 100% certain he was not the Boston Strangler. Right. You know, like I also feel like had DeSalvo lived and had the chance, he also would have appeared in this segment. But he would have been much more charming and would have been like, well, you know, I wish I had that kind of notoriety. I wish people would remember me that way. But I didn't do it. Wink. I feel like it would have been much more that.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. You know? Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things his psychotherapist, Dr. Robbitt, talks about. Like, Salvo loved to brag. Oh, yeah. Loved to brag.
1: He, well, he claimed that on uh, the, the the stuff they had convicted him on, uh, on the, the sexual assaults or whatever. He was like, you know, when the psychotherapist asked him, like, well, how many victims did he have? He was like, I don't know, 800? No,
0: yeah,
1: a thousand. Yeah,
0: and obviously that's not true either. so yeah
1: yeah
0: I mean just he doesn't have that kind of time. He's only 32 years old when he went to jail, so right., uh, that's just not possible. Um, so the so the cops are kind of like the strangler, the green man, and the measuring man are all the same dude. yeah, basically. So they had him in jail for being the measuring man or the green man actually. Mm-hmm. um but he was never actually tried or convicted um for the boston strangler killings
1: no they made they made some deal where he would could, could, uh go on trial for some uh you know other horror, horrific mm-hmm. crimes he committed and it, it was like part of some thing where like so he could also be like tested and analyzed and like get that book th- those book rights um signed or whatever so that he uh, because it's all it's all going to be for because he's got those kids right like that that was that was weird too he's like it's for my kids it's like god i can't man you have kids Mm oh so uh you know and the 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 only other thing about this segment that stood out to me was when they brought in someone to do hypnosis on Dissol. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I think the uh, the the psychotherapist quite rightly points out, like, look, if and you know, anyone who watches Unsolved Mysteries up to this point knows that you, you bring these hypnotists in and they're like, So, you uh you strangled those women because you hated your mother, right? And it's like <laughs> Like what that's that's just like with all the all these like ones we've had in the past you're like so the aliens brought you on board the spaceship and then they did this and then this happened and it's just like they're they're just planning memories into these people um i mm-hmm. i really like the reenactment too where like the salvo leaps off the bed i guess still kind of in hypnosis state and starts attacking the hypnotist mm-hmm. I, I i found that very enjoyable um
0: um, is there an update?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. They uh, there was an update. It, uh, they they were actually able to trace some what some DNA connection between DeSalvo and a uh, a Boston Strangler victim. Yeah, and and guess what? There's a connection. And I guess if he yeah. did, if if you could prove that he did this one what are the odds that he probably did the other ones too? So
0: yeah, um, I'm in the wiki though. And there is some conjecture about maybe DeSalvo not being responsible for all of these. Okay. And like, there might've just been other murders that happened for more personal, less random reasons to some of these other women in Boston at the time.
1: That's possible.
0: Yeah. And, um, he may not have had that many victims, but it, he had at least one confirmed with DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's sort of the problem with putting all, you know, basically when they put all of this on to even if the, there are other, if the other women were killed for some other reason by someone else, they kind of have, they stop looking. Yeah. When they pick up to decide he's the one who did it so i mean that's kind of
1: right i guess i guess it'd be like if they caught the home alone um burglars and they're just like well we solved every burglary in in the city it was like no no right you haven't
0: yeah you haven't and um I mean, which is to say, though, as I a, was a kind of like rolling my eyes during this whole Boston Strangler thing because I just don't think it's a good use of time or particularly interesting mm-hmm. um, because I was fairly certain that like everyone knows to solve the Boston Strangler. <laughs> like, we're done with this. This is case closed in 2023. Like, it's been closed for 20 years. I was pretty sure they'd proven it was him. Um, I guess it's, you know, it's more nuanced than that, but... It's just, you know, it kind of, a, it, me rolling my eyes kind of affected how I felt about the segment that followed.
1: Yeah. It. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> I was like, this first this first Boston Strangler, I'm like, why are they just saying bullshit? They're just saying bullshit. And then we get, well, are we done with the Boston Strangler? Can we move to the next?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can move on to the next one. Okay.
0: We're going to tell about uh, Helen conca. Robert Stack opens this segment by saying, you know, we've done a lot of World War II, sort of lost love things. And how. We've done a lot. <laughs> and how. Uh, but this one really took our breath away. So we went to the Czech Republic to uh, investigate this one. And uh, at the time it was Czechoslovakia during World War II, but now it's Czech Republic. Yeah, um, we, get, we certainly get what I would say is an incredible story from Helen. And because I was rolling my eyes so hard at the Boston Strangler, I really started to think maybe this Helen person had kind of like created this whole story. Oh um, because she it, it is almost too incredible to believe.
1: It it is an I extraordinary think. story, yeah.
0: But uh but I really had to eat my hat <laughs> at the end <laughs> of the <this> segment though. <laughs> uh Mm -hmm. happily so because um helen uh, uh, this is not a case of me i didn't need to weigh uh i didn't need to be incredulous during this one because it it just is an incredible story so helen was born in 1927 and she lived in a small village in czechoslovakia and she um she had kind of like an evil stepmother situation Mm -hmm. which sort of forced her out of her home and she had to start working from a very early age she started working at this farm this detail will come back later yeah um, and she you know she was working at the farm and the farm gave her food and, and clothing and um, because she was sort of so unwelcome in her own home she developed a very interesting relationship with the forest also <laughs> this will come back and she you know as she tells it she would just go sleep in the forest at night and then there's I have no idea how they filmed this. But there's like a reenactment of Helen as a young girl like hand feeding a deer an apple, but it shows the girl in the reenactment very slowly approaching the deer and the deer turns up as if expecting her okay. and very calmly takes the apple out of her hand and then continues and like the deer. I don't know how they trained a deer to do this for television. I don't know how they did this.
1: Uh, Incredible stuff yeah what can you if you
0: think about it it was a real deer it wasn't just like an animatronic and obviously cgi wasn't happening it was a
1: real deer there's no there's no hollywood stunt deers or anything or i
0: don't know there must be but i mean you know what they say like you know uh never never work with children or animals when you're filming something and this is both and they got this like perfect scene of this young girl Walking up and hand feeding a deer, an actual deer, an apple.
1: It must be like a deer that all its life it's been fed uh, out of hand by like actors maybe. and stuff. And yeah, and so it's just. Yeah,
0: maybe. I mean, it must be a Hollywood stunt deer. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Uh... <laughs>
0: Uh, And I know that does not sound like very remarkable, but when I say this was an actual child and an actual deer, you should be impressed that they were able to
1: (laughs) get this this, part of the
0: reenactment. And so Helen has this very special relationship with nature in the woods. And at some point, uh, one of these nights she's out in the woods, she finds this tunnel and it is a very deep and long tunnel. And it is uh, what they suspect was probably the remnants of a um, fortress from the middle ages Mm-hmm. and it was probably an escape tunnel or s- something like that. But uh, it uh, was, she kind of made a little nest for herself down there. She brought some dolls and she made a bed of hay and blankets and she just kind of slept down there and worked at the farm. Um, so by 1943, okay. So now Helen's a, a young woman. And uh, the Nazis are f- fully up in Czechoslovakia, and I guess the castle that this tunnel was an escape route from um, was occupied as a Nazi as Nazi headquarters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, she, Helen was no fan of the Nazis. We'll just put it this way. Yeah. One day, while she's out in the woods, she sees a plane come down and um immediately it, it comes down in this meadow in the forest and she starts running towards the plane crash which is not something i think most people would do uh, is run towards a plane crash mm-hmm. um, but she does and she discovers it's uh it's an american plane that has come down there's a bunch of gis that have survived the crash and realizing that the nazis are nearby she directs them to the tunnels and she stows them away down there and then there's a whole bunch of reenactments of helen like going here and there and she's able to kind of sort of like take from the harvest at the farm in a very discreet way to feed the soldiers. And then she makes up some story about having to feed a widow with, you know, 12 children and to the baker. So the baker gives her a bunch of bread. So basically she's like running supplies down to these guys um, yeah. while they sort of heal up and are able to be, while they're able to, um, move on, you know, they can't stay down there forever. Mm-hmm. And so Helen, not really knowing where to turn goes to a local chapel and speaks with the priest. And, and she's, she wants to trust the priest, but the priest, you know, she doesn't know where anybody's allegiances lie at this right. point. It's a very scary time. She's 17 years old. It's like, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> well, what are we doing? And, uh, so, the priest, this was actually this like so much of the story is so made for a movie. This is why I was like, she's just making this up. <laughs> she read this in a book somewhere. This isn't real. And she goes to the confessional and the reenactment with the priest, and the priest calls up his contact on the radio thats he's he's, you know, he's working against the Nazis. he's he's working with the allies secretly. In this little village and um but you know helen's like how do i know i can trust you with what i'm about i, I need to tell you something and so he gets on the radio in the confessional and and um in english and i i guess check that's the language right yeah. uh the person on the other end of the radio says you can trust this priest he's working with us let him know what it is you need to let him know and so Helen, just in the nick of time, tells the priest, like, I, so there's, like, I got all these GIs. They're down in this tunnel. Um, I've been feeding them, but we got to get them out of here because we can't. I can't keep this ruse up forever. Uh, meanwhile, her evil stepmother kind of catches on to the fact that she's, Helen's up to something out there. Um, And the stepmother uh, calls up whatever officers she needs to, whatever brown shirts <laughs> she needs to speak with and yeah. sells her daughter out or her stepdaughter out. I want to punch um, the but,
1: stepmother in the face too. Can I do that?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, this has some pretty serious r- ramifications yeah. for Helen. Um, the GIs are able to make it out because the priest was able to mobilize and sneak them out of town um, and out of the tunnels but Helen seriously paid the price for that. And she was sent to a concentration camp in Poland for being a spy ostensibly. And, um, you know, according to Helen, and this is all in the reenactment. I don't know how necessary this all was, but there were some medical experiments run on her. Um, she was basically used as a human guinea pig pig that like left her pretty sick the entire time she was in the camp. Um, she survived though. And she was liberated in 1945, Mm-hmm. Um, and she married, and then and uh, she married another Czech person, and they immigrated to the United States. So this is many years later, and she is trying to find her boys.
1: Her boys, yeah, they're after. they're her boys. Yeah. That's what she they're, they're her boys. Yeah.
0: And I'm th- I'm th- again I'm just so cynical after that first segment and, and all the shit that Unsolved Mysteries has been lobbing at us lately. I'm like, well. Uh, here comes the update where we find out Helen's just a fucking liar. <laughs> <Nothing> <laughs> that's never happened. <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> no. Um. She, the white text update comes up and it says she was actually able to reconnect with these GIs who did make it home mm-hmm. because of her. Like she literally saved their lives Yeah, and got them out. They made it home. And then, <laughs> not only <laughs> that, but she, what did she get the... Um,
1: presidential Medal of Freedom, I think?
0: I think it was something like that. It was a Presidential Medal of Freedom given to her by then President Bush for her uh, work during World War II.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I just... I,
0: I really ate my hat at the <laughs> end because I was just like, this didn't happen. Like the only part I thought might have been true is that she was a person who had been sent to a concentration camp. Yeah. That part I thought yeah. might have been true. That's
1: a believable thing in World War II for sure. But I mean
0: But the rest of this I was like, nah, didn't happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Didn't happen. There were no tunnels. She, you didn't work on a farm. She There's was no evil stepmother. <laughs> didn't happen.
1: She, All of it. She comes true. She comes in where like wherever you are. Wearing her presidential medal of freedom. Yeah. She's like, I got this for She's saving- just shining
0: it on her shirt, mm-hmm. staring me right in the eye and be like, All right. Okay.
1: I got the I got this medal and I got a dozen boys. That's mm-hmm. what I got.
0: I also have to assume probably Unsolved Mysteries did some due diligence with her story before they put it on air, but I don't <laughs> why, know why, why did
1: they do the due diligence with this, but not with Howard DeSauve? I don't alone. know. I, I don't they're, they're, know. Maybe It's just like... Maybe it's like, do they have more than like one producer or something? Are there like different, like it just depends on whoever got the folder like dumped in their lap, how much work the, homework they put into the these?
0: I, I, I guess. I mean, I think... I don't know. Uh, look, unsolved mysteries is not a news program. They don't have an ed- editorial directive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? They're not—they're not, they're not the, beset by the rules of journalism as we know them. So, um, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, and I think that's—I have a really hard time with that because you, because I, because when you're putting this Boston Strangler bullshit or, or like whatever bullshit they've been putting as the first segment for the last 10 episodes where it's like, you can't prove that you can't even investigate it. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't solve this mystery. And then you put two or three things after it, which are very real. It kind of, I feel like diminishes the things that come after it. Cause you've kind of set the tone with sort of this fabulous nonsense. Yeah. Which is kind of what I was feeling as I was watching this episode. I was like, I feel like the Boston Strangler thing was kind of, you know case closed they got the guy it maybe was more nuanced than that but that nuance was had nothing to do with the segment that was presented to us you, and then we get the story of helen and i'm like well yeah right <laughs> and it was all true and, and it was incredible s- and she's a hero
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> i
0: she's i mean that's the definition of a hero she did things at like great sacrifice to herself yeah you know, she saved lives and um you know and i i it made me just feel s- cynical about that and i don't want to feel that way
1: yeah you know yeah i mean like i think you 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 really described something important because i do feel like unsolved mysteries was probably responsible for me going through most of elementary and middle school convinced and willing to believe literally every ghost and ufo story that crossed my path mhm um I mean, you know, to the point where, like, I think it primed me to the point where when, when sightings was on the air during middle school, mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. like, I treated, I basically treated sightings as if it was a news program.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean...
1: But then again I was in the 5th grade so I don't know what what, what excuse adults I don't yeah had. I don't
0: know what the adults yeah exactly yeah. I, but I think it's I think it's uh the this is not a news program is doing a lot of work here. Yeah. Lately. <laughs> yeah. In the last yeah. in the back half of season 6.
1: That disclaimer is being stretched like Peter Parker yeah. on, in front of a out of control train <laughs> in Spider-Man 2.
0: <laughs> it, yeah it's exactly that <laughs> um, alright well we unfortunately I mean unfortunately this segment uh, whole episode ends in just awful tragedy which gets four minutes time um, so Robert Stack uh, so this is the this is the last bit of it uh, so Robert Stack introduces this segment about um, Kevin Wheel from Lakewood California By saying that, uh, you know, it's it's impossible to be a teen in a city in America right now without being affected by gang activity or knowing a gang member. And I'm like, okay, first of all, (laughs) okay, Mr. Stack, you are literally giving me this information from Beverly Hills High. I know where you are <laughs> Ooh. Like, no other high school looks that fancy you were at Beverly Hills High so like I'm glad you're safe at the high school you chose to film at um okay so that's the first thing <laughs> <laughs> it might it might have been Venice High but I'm pretty pretty sure it's Beverly Hills High because there's like fucking Corinthian columns and shit in the background of that oh. where he is and no high school is that nice right here sorry um okay First of all, glad you're making that announcement from Beverly Hills. Second of all, I was a little bit dubious because I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Every teen knows a gang member in a city. But then I was like in the early nineties, that might've been very true. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in a city and I wasn't in high school then. And at this time that could have, I mean, gang activities definitely diminished a lot Mm -hmm. since then, but it hasn't gone away entirely. So maybe that's true. I don't know. But again, now I'm rolling my eyes at everything Unsolved Mysteries is saying because it's just (laughs) been wall-to-wall bullshit Mm -hmm. for 10 episodes (laughs) okay anyway but kevin wheel was very real and he was a nice young man who lived in lakewood uh with california with his family kevin was not a gang member member so that's that has been proven he was not involved with any gang um unfortunately on may 3rd 1991 uh, when he was out uh he went out with some friends he was driving home on norwalk boulevard and um at 20 Two Hundred Twenty First street uh, a car pulled up behind him and and followed him um, and then the the car po- killed like pulled up next to him and shot kevin
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and he was killed uh so now his his mother teresa and his father stan um are they're tr- they're basically out on the streets trying to collect information and so they have i think it was a woman from the da's office in los angeles who is interviewed saying, you know, with gang related killings and crimes, it is very, very hard to get anyone to step forward because being a snitch is a fate worse than death. Yeah. To them. And I get that. I get how hard it, you know, not being a snitch myself. Um, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, It would be very hard, though, for me to live with myself, knowing, though, if I had information about a kid that was murdered, not coming forward with that, at least at least to his parents. You dig? Right. So maybe maybe not to the cops, but at least to his parents. So they're out there. That's I mean, that's the parents are doing what they're what they're doing. They're going on television saying like, hey, we don't necessarily need to get the police involved. If you have information, you can just let us know. But we just we want to know who did this to our son. And why? And, um, uh, yeah, the police don't have any leads. I mean, they think basically the reason Kevin was killed is because he had some friends who were gang members and they were, may have been out and about in Kevin's car and Kevin's car was recognizable Mm -hmm. as being associated with those friends. Even if Kevin had nothing to do with gang activity, um, and he just wrong place at the wrong time. So, um yeah no update either
1: end of episode fantastic well i'm in a chipper mood and if you're riding (laughs) on high after watching this (laughs) i i mean you know it's it's i guess like i guess you just had no suspects or anything but they they're they they could have there had to be something they could have mentioned in the segment to try to help you know something uh, or, or just go over the yeah. details a little slower just to make sure everyone's clear on them so that but yeah yeah whatever
0: yeah I mean it's um th- this struck me as an incredibly like local case too because. Uh, I'm wondering if, you know, local news agencies as well were running the story about this, you know, mother and father who were out trying to at least find out what happened to their son and why, Um, because the people who could provide information would be very local to that area of la you know what i mean this is not there's no nationwide search there's no felon on the run no one's gone to canada like this is like gonna be really local to oh yeah the neighborhood um so anyway but yes that all that said that no one ever came forward with any information
1: Uh, oh god um yeah. So we're on Patreon. If you want to hear, continue to yeah, hear about
0: patreon.com slash reenacted pod. Yeah.
1: One dollar just to sustain the <laughs> podcast, five dollars, and we'll send you stuff. If you're on the yeah. five dollar tier and you haven't sent us your address yet, please do mm. so I can send yeah. you stuff. Um, yeah. And
0: also, you know, we might just do like uh we might go on a US tour and just do a show from your living room. So please tell us where you live. <laughs>
1: that would be wild uh, <laughs> that would be crazy <laughs>
0: <laughs> we spent i think it would be crazy fun though like we have listeners all over the country and that would be kind of
1: yeah kinda fun yeah that, that would be it was like spend two weeks on the road uh just pop by people's places
0: be like hey we brought our mics <laughs> we to do an app yeah
1: um and so uh, in addition, uh, reenacted pod at, uh, on Twitter and then send us emails at reenactedpod at gmail.com. Uh, there's a Facebook thing that I might update or might not. I kind of kind of mm. depends on how busy my year is. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I realized the last episode, I threatened to do a live Vegemite tasting on this episode. Oh
1: my God. Okay.
0: And I didn't do that. So I'm just going to let that dangle. But at any, at any time we could return to the Vegemite issue.
1: It's, it's a, it'll be a a sort of Damocles hanging over. Yeah. But it's Vegemite. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess I guess it's not really hanging over the audience's head. It's hanging over yours. <laughs>
0: it's hanging over mine. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, but it's also like not the sort of Damocles because this isn't about like maintaining power and the threat of the power. It's not quite that at that level. Oh. It's more that I'm just kind of scared to eat Vegemite.
1: Yeah. To be in a very certain <laughs> mood
0: uh, I will. I will say this though, James. Thank you for uh, once again for that package because uh, the wine gums are almost gone.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, that's not good. due we, to me either. That's good. We we don't need you I'll intoxicated on on Mike like we had last time. <laughs> oh boy. yeah, I got real
0: crazy on those wine gums.
1: Yeah, man, it was. Uh, uh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Robbie, do you want to do the thing?
1: Yeah. Uh, Join us in two weeks for a special two-hour season finale of Unsolved Mysteries.